0: One of the things that I've been uh, thinking about in faith in quarantine is everybody living in close proximity with other people that they can't get away with, uh, from and with, specifically, family. And so tonight I want to talk about basically the the realities of living next to people who you can't get away with. Just show of hands, how many of you are in quarantine with your family? Yeah, a good number of you. Yeah. Um, Oh, Nathaniel getting fancy with those animated hands. Um, So yeah, a lot of us are in quarantine with family, and then a lot of us are also in quarantine with roommates who we know or we don't know, uh, but we're living very close to them, and so it can be really frustrating. Uh, One of the things that I've um, encountered as I've talked with you all and as I've talked with, you know, looked at my own life is all of a sudden I'm encountering my own sin, living next to people that I can't get away from. You know, I feel like I can sort of hold off my worst characteristics for a bit. And then, um, you know, with, I'm with a person, but then, uh, you know, I, I can leave and I can kind of go be a bad person. But now all of a sudden I'm with this one group of people and I can't stop not being a jerk around them and it's been frustrating. And so I've been thinking about this, um, you're back with your family or you're stuck with roommates. You're with people that basically you're with people that you don't mind being a jerk around (laughs) Um, and they don't mind being a jerk around you. And so like a day in the life for me right now is um, just feeling like I constantly am on edge with Phoebe and feeling like um, I get trapped in the house and um, I'm getting way less stuff done than I'm used to getting done. And I'm finding uh, myself a lot more frazzled and anxious and stressed. And so kind of all these things um, have made it just frustrating. And I feel like when I'm on campus or when I'm with other people, even with y'all, I can be on good behavior. Um, But then when I'm with my family, that kind of gets clicked off, especially after four weeks together. Oh, see, there's another baby. I get you. I get you, Gia. Um, And uh, so anyways, it's just been a recipe for... um, stress for me and I'm sure for you that we're with the people either roommates or family who tick us off the most and we're not around our friends and we feel super stressed and so it's just a recipe for tension and so tonight what we're going to look at is um, how do we go through quarantine how do we go through living in proximity with family in particular but with people who can be really stressful And uh, the Bible is, the good news is that you're not alone in this. The Bible is full of circumstances of people living close to each other, either in family or in proximity, um, that's just like you, it's just like me, where it's frustrating, and it's angry, and it's sad, and it's really, really hard, and, and it's just a lot of dysfunction. And the core message of the Bible is that God moves close to people who are in dysfunction, into families that are in dysfunction, and he does not leave us in that dysfunction. Um, but he meets and heals with us. And that's the same as in families as it is with the church, with any other group of people. Um, so tonight we're going to look at how God works in and through families, how God works in and through families. And we're going to look at a fairly large piece of text, so large that I'm not going to read it. I'll just summarize it. If you want to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27, um, feel free to do that. But again, I'm not going to read it because it's quite long um, and I don't want to waste waste your time reading scripture. Did I say that out loud? Uh, I don't want to... Um, spend all of our time on a long, long piece of scripture. So um, this is a family in the Old Testament that we're going to look at. Many of you have heard this, and we're going to see how God works in and through this family to bring salvation and then how it can apply to us today. So um, Genesis 27, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story. It it starts with this family of Jacob, um, Jacob and his wife, Rebecca, and their two sons. And Jacob is a... um, uh, sorry, Isaac and Rebecca and their two sons, Jacob and Esau. And uh, it's it's a hot mess of a family, especially when you start to examine it and compare it to some of the families and situations that we live in today. Um, Isaac is Abraham's son. If you remember who Isaac is, he's the son that Abraham had been promised. Uh, and so now he's old and he's actually so old that he's blind. And he married a woman named Rebecca. They have two boys, Jacob and Esau, And this family is full of dysfunction. If you read their stories in Genesis, but especially in 27, Um, and I think anything that this family goes, anything that your family goes through, it will rival what this family has to do. And this is just a part of their dysfunction. Some of some of you probably know this story, but I'll just summarize it. So Jacob wants to bless his oldest son, which was a custom back then that was fairly common for the the father to bless the oldest child. And so he tells his oldest son, and who is also his favorite, there's a red flag right there, that he has a, the dad has a favorite, um, that he, he's so much his favorite that he's kind of open about it, that he's his favorite. He tells his favorite son, Esau, hey, I want to bless you, but, so I, but I want you to go make me a meal first. And so he sends Esau to get some food. And the mom Rebecca hears this, and there's there's something wrong right now. Is that they're not on the same page? There's some at least uh, marriage issues, maybe even fighting, and so she overhears this because she's been eavesdropping, and she wants her favorite son to get the blessing, and so she takes Jacob and she tells her this, her favorite son, who's Jacob, and she says, "Hey, I want you to get the blessing. So let's di- let's let's disguise you, and uh, and trick." are uh, blind Isaac into blessing you. So she disguises Jacob to look like Esau. And uh, so Jacob goes in and he receives the blessing from Isaac. And so right there we have all kinds of disaster and mess. We've got parents who are working against each other. There's parents who are fighting. You've got siblings who are fighting and, and working against each other. You've got all kinds of weird relationship triangles that are super dysfunctional and super unhealthy. And it just gets worse because when Esau finds out what's been going on, he gets so mad that he wants to kill his brother. The text tells us that he's so mad within this family that he wants to literally kill his brother, so much so that Jacob has to run away and leave the family. And that's kind of the end of the story. (laughs) So here we are. We have two brothers. They're twins. They're constant antagonists. They're opposites. Their interests are opposite. Their personalities are opposites. Jacob is this sort of domestic... A guy who loves to stay at home and cook. Esau is kind of this man's man who wants to be out hunting, and uh, he's an outside guy. And they're at each other's throats constantly. Um, maybe some of you can relate with that. You're either living with siblings, or you're you know you've had siblings, or you know you just cannot. They, they just you want to kill your your brother or your sister sometimes. Um, second, there's marriage issues here. Um, Jacob, I mean, Isaac and Rebecca are definitely not on the same page in their marriage. Um, they don't openly fight, but maybe they're just conniving against each other and they have favorites and they're playing, they're pitting their favorite kid against the other and they're, they're using their kids to try and get their way um, and they're, they're, they're nitpicking at each other through their kids. And um, so, you know, in, on top of that, there's lying, there's trickery, there's destructive triangles. Um, There's stealing, there's death threats. It's a total mess. This family is a total mess, which I know that many of us can relate to is a family um, that is a total mess. Um, And I I, I know that there are times in my family where it feels like this is a dysfunctional mess. How am I going to live another week in quarantine? How am I going to go another week in my family? That is a total wreck. Um, We've all felt that, and I say all that to encourage you on a level because the Bible is written to speak to the lives that you and I lead in a really, the normal lives that we live in, that the Bible is about actual people with actual real lives, that that the the characters in the Bible are amazingly broken and relatable people. Um, Bible characters, the story, the people in the Bible are not these sort of high and holy examples of people that say hey be like them and everything will go well for you no the bible is about people and stories and families that are full of dysfunction the level i mean sometimes far worse than what we can imagine even in quarantine (laughs) Um, the bible is about families that need saving and if that was true thousands of years ago it's true now And there's good news in that, I think, that the Bible relates to you when you're not getting along with your parents after being home for five weeks or four weeks. And there's good news in that when your roommate's being a pain and when you're being a pain to your roommate and um, when your siblings are getting on your nerves. Scripture says, yeah, that's living in in a real world. Um, But the good news is, is that God does not abandon this family in that and he also doesn't abandon us in our family, in our stuck-in-quarantine dysfunction. God has never come to a family and say, this is too broken, too much, I can't work with this. He's patient and he's kind and he endures. So how does he do that? How is God faithful in this family and how does that apply to us today? Well, to see how he's faithful in this family, we actually have to zoom out a little bit and get a little bit more of the context. So when Jacob runs away from Esau, he's running away, and, and many of you know the story. Uh, at one point, he comes to a spot and he lays down and he sleeps, and he has a dream, and it's a vision uh, that where God comes to him in a dream, and he has this dream where the heavens open up, and a, and a ladder or a set of stairs appears in his dream, and he sees angels going up and down, ascending and descending out of heaven, and and God comes to him and says in this dream, he says I may, he, if, if I'm paraphrasing, but he says I. I made a promise to your family that I would bless you and I would bless the world through you and through your children, and I'm going to keep that promise. I'm going to keep the promise that I made to your family. And in effect, what God is saying to Jacob is, He's saying, Despite your family's dysfunction, I'm going to bless you. Despite your family's dysfunction, I'm going to bless you. Now, how does that happen? Well, it, you know, If you know the story of the Old Testament of Genesis, you know that out of Jacob's family, out of, out of his dysfunction, he has 12 sons. And those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those tribes is the tribe of Judah. And out of the tribe of Judah comes another son 2,000 years after this, and that son is Jesus. And so what God what, is what saying here is that Jesus comes from Jacob's family and that even out of Jacob's family's dysfunction and sin, God is keeping his promises to Jacob. And here's the amazing part, is that it's through the very family dysfunction that Jacob lives in that God saves Jacob and his family dysfunction. <laughs> Sorry, my allergies are so bad. It is through God's it is through Jacob's family's dysfunction that God saves him. Jesus comes from the dysfunction of the family. Now what does that mean? It means that God is in the business of saving his people from family dysfunction through Jesus. This means that genesis twenty seven tells us that God is faithful to his promises to save you. From your family dysfunction through Jesus' own family's dysfunction. Does it, does it you see listen to that? Again. God is faithful to his promises to save you from your family dysfunction through Jesus' own family dysfunction. Jesus came from a family where his parents and his grandparents, deep you know, deep down in his family tree, they lied and they treated and they tricked and they wanted to kill and they stole and they fought and they destroyed each other. And even despite that. God keeps his promises and sends Jesus to save us from our family dysfunction, from all the times that you get frustrated with your parents and with your siblings and with your roommates, the people that you are close to. And that if God can bring, out of, if God can bring the redemption of the world, that is Jesus, from broken families, then he can bring something as broken as your family into his redemption. That is, if God can bring redemption out of a world of broken families, then he can bring redemption out of your broken family. So, so what? Why does this matter? When your family is fighting, when your family is not talking, when you're stuck in quarantine. Um, first, I think that the first thing is to do is to take hope that God does not look at your family and think, this is too far gone. I can't save this. God is in the business of saving families that are way worse than your family. I have a friend who, um, his name is David. He's a pastor. He's a youth pastor in Alabama. And let me tell you, when I first met him, we met in seminary. He and I did not get along. We both looked at each other because we were so different. We were like, we are not going to be friends. He has like tats all on his arms and he's got these big ice earrings and he's kind of got this gangster swagger about him. And I'm like this straight laced nerd. And, uh, I was like, I'm not going to like this guy and he's not going to like me. But we started hanging out and we got to be really good friends. And he started to tell me a little bit about himself. And so when he was in college, uh, well, he came from a really, really broken family. He came from a home of addiction where his dad was um, addicted to all kinds of substances and his parents were split and his brother actually died in very tragic circumstances And um, just, and then while he was in college, he ended up actually selling drugs and he was, um, had multiple DUIs and just a total tragic case of broken families all the way around. And then God in his mercy um, shows himself to David, reveals himself to David in a way that that David repents of his sin and says, I have to turn my life around. And so David, you know, through the circumstances, enrolls in seminary and ends up meeting uh, his now wife. And now he's a pastor in Alabama. And he says, you know, part of what I want to do is change the legacy of the Barnes' last name to be, this is the family that was a dysfunctional, wrecked family, into this is a family that God can redeem. This Nice, Jacob. That's nice, yeah. <laughs> this is a family that God can save this is a family that God is redeeming. And, and 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 what's so encouraging me to me about that is here's a family that is totally broken, and yet God in His goodness can redeem that family. Um, so take hope in that that there's no family, no matter who you are or all the things that you know in your family that are really broken and that are being accentuated in quarantine, that God can't save. Um, second, um, families can be super confusing. And it's really hard sometimes in the midst of quarantine or in the midst of a family fight to see the forest for the trees. We get caught up in it. And so if you're in a spot where you're like, man, I just can't seem to meet heads, meet my family, you know, talk to my parents or something like that. Reach out, you know, have somebody else look into it. Reach out to Deborah or to Madeline or to me and we're happy to process with you how God is at work in and through your family and how you can be a part of that. Um, third is prayer. God works through prayer. Um, you might have a really messed up family, but Christ came to offer you a family in God, a family in the spirit, a family of the entire family of believers in the church. And prayer is how you knit and mesh in a healthy way and knit yourself to the goodness of that family rather than the brokenness of your family. Um, And then finally, it comes down to identity in Christ. How do we navigate our families in the midst of quarantine? It comes to sinking our identity in who we are in Jesus. And once you've got that anchor point, you can begin to enter into your family's dysfunction, saying, yes, I can be loving and kind and caring towards these other people who are around me who can be so frustrating, and yet also be my own person who doesn't get pushed around and manipulated and used by them. Um, so those are just some thoughts. There's a whole lots more to think about, but I don't want to keep you all too much longer. So um, what do we see in this? We see that God works through family dysfunction to save families in their dysfunction. And that's really good news for you and for me who are stuck in quarantine, who are living in um, next to people who are broken and frustrating and hard. And so um, reflect on that this week and uh, we'll just try to muddle through families in quarantine together. Uh, let me pray for us. Lord in heaven, I pray that you would be with us uh, as we go through quarantine, as we um, try to figure out how to um, navigate the, uh, the frustrations and the um, the challenges of living in community with our families again after being gone for a while. I pray that your spirit would be with us um, and that you would encourage and comfort us that Jesus is the one who saves us from all of our family dysfunction. Uh, It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, What's next on the bulletin? Hang on. Uh, So I guess we're going to sing another song. Rigo, Take it away. I stand accused by my regret And the devil roars his empty threat